0: On today's show, Houston Rockets Media Day Preview. What are the biggest questions and storylines heading into this next season for your Houston Rockets? Plus, should the Rockets entertain a trade for Malcolm Brogdon? We're going to unpack it all right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start.
1: Throw it up to Taylor Green. Shagoon here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Ah! tar Cookie no! comes T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six, five, four, three, two, one...
0: What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. And the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. I want your thoughts. If you could ask one question at Houston Rockets Media Day, what would you ask? Put it in the YouTube comments. I will do my best to see if I can facilitate some of the, uh, the best questions that I see posed in the YouTube comments. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off, 20 bucks off your first purchase. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, Madison Moore. You can track down on Twitter at MadManLeaks. Here on the eve of Houston Rockets Media Day, Madison, we are right on the precipice of probably the most optimistic Houston Rockets season that we've had in a very long time. Going into Media Day these last few years, it's been it's been fun for me because I've gone from, you know, just being a diehard fan to being credentialed and being in the door and being able to ask questions. And all that. But let's face it, the last few years have been kind of rough around the edges for this organization. So this is the first media day in a few years where there's optimism and a lot of hope going into the year that this team can really take some significant strides forward and get back to a place where they're playing competitive, high level basketball again.
1: Of course, man. Media day is always the, the signal and start to great things and excitement cuz we've been away from Rockets basketball so so long media day is just like wow we're really about to get into these games we're really about to um get into the heart of uh, searching for uh, storylines, uh, any little snippets that comes out of camp. It's just, it's the start of it all. And the propaganda is what we're all waiting for. And I think Media Day really tips us off with good propaganda. Guys in uniform, guys, uh, you know, uh, matchups together, hanging out, man. It's always a good, uh, great field day for Media Day.
0: Absolutely. We get all the, you know, some some behind the scenes footage watching the <laughs> Rockets digital and social guys do, the, do their job. They do such fantastic work for Rockets fans putting out Amazing content, all the different media personalities that we have covering the team, myself, other other people included. Just you know, we get all all the questions, and it's it's all media day is a ton of fun, and and you know throughout this episode, you know, I'll, I'll try to give a peek behind the curtain, some expectations of of how Media Day kind of functions um, from, from what I see as I'm just there kind of behind the scenes because the Rockets will publicly stream Media Day. They try to do it every year, um, so it'll be available on YouTube. We'll also have a stream going over at Rockets Watch uh, with Clutch fans Dave Hardesty and Roosh Williams. They'll be hosting uh, a live stream over there, so if you want to go hang out with the Rockets Watch crowd, you can do that. Um, but what we want to do for, through these first couple segments before segment three, we'll tackle the idea of should the Houston Rockets entertain a trade for Malcolm Brogdon after what felt like, Madison, like a game of like, I don't know, uh, sh- you know, what, what is it? What's the chair shuffling game? Shuffling? What why am uh, I blanking? Uh, well-
1: Musical Chairs. Musical
0: Chairs, thank you. Oh my God, I could not re- I was like, Chair Shuffle? That doesn't sound right. Um, it felt like a game of Musical Chairs with like Dame traded to Milwaukee, then Drew traded to Portland, now now Portland trades Drew to Boston, and now Malcolm Brogdon's the guy left out to dry uh, with the Blazers, and they're probably gonna flip him down the line, so it doesn't make sense for the Rockets to pursue him. But for now, for these first couple segments, we'll kind of focus on Media Day. Some of the biggest storylines and... Questions going into this season, and I think arguably Madison right now, and this is still kind of a, a, a relevant storyline, is what ultimately happens with Kevin Porter Jr. That's kind of the unfortunate gray cloud hanging over this team. There was all this optimism, all this reason for hope and positivity going into the season. And it's really obviously it's an unfortunate you know circumstance, set of events. We've covered it you know thoroughly here on the show. We won't revisit uh, you know too deeply into that situation, but that is kind of one of, if not the biggest storyline going into the season is how do the rocket, what, first off, what type of resolution do we get to the Kevin Porter jr situation, right? How does the NBA decide to end their investigation? We still don't know. The NBA has taken Mm -hmm. their sweet time conducting this investigation and if I were to make a prediction, I doubt there's going to be an answer tomorrow at Media Day. Maybe yeah. the Rockets surprise me. Maybe they come out and say, "Hey, you know, the NBA is close to an answer, or they've they've given us an answer, and here's what we're planning on doing with it." But I doubt we get an answer tomorrow. Honestly,
1: yeah, I expect, uh, and this will be—it's important because this will be the first time Rafael Stone will have to actually answer on camera for these uh, for for this mm-hmm. what's what's actually happened with Kevin Porter Jr. Um, and I expect him to treat it the same way he talk, uh, treats contract extensions. He's going to say, hey, this is a, a, an impending investigation and we do not speak about it. And so I just want to prepare everybody that I, that's what I wholly expect to happen. Um, it's a very sensitive situation with more than just Kevin Porter Jr.'s career on the line. It's other people involved um that is that can be very very sensitive uh, for the organization so uh, as much as we would like to hear a resolution to this these type of things take take time and i expect us to get the runaround and not get the answer until the nba actually comes out with its findings
0: more than likely honestly um so yeah don't get your hopes too high for for an answer yet here on the on the kpj front but i do think and this kind of goes hand in hand here i think one of the bigger storylines and maybe a bit of an underrated storyline going into the season madison is I think this might be a real, this is probably a very important year for Rafael Stone, right? Like the hiring of Eme Odoka showed that the Rockets, they, they're like, no, this is our guy. This is our head coach for the next stage of Houston Rockets basketball. The clock started to tick on Rafael Stone the moment Stephen Silas was let go. And I think this season is going to be very, very important for his long-term potential future in Houston as the general manager. If this season is a letdown, um mm-hmm. I think it kind of uh you you have to draw it come back and, and look at Rafael Stone and he's going to be likely the guy whose whose seat is probably because of the whole KPJ thing right now the start of this year it hasn't even started yet right and they're off to kind of a rocky start just because they're going to have to try and figure out some kind of a resolution to the situation the the heat on his seat is probably turning up a little bit mm-hmm. whereas you think obviously ownership's not going anywhere Ime is pretty safe right now mm-hmm. and there's not really a player or two that you can pin things on because it's the young core, right? None of them are able to be scapegoated at this point. So there's one kind of fall guy, essentially, if this season doesn't go according to plan. And I do think that guy is Rafael Stone for better or worse, unfortunately. And obviously, I hope things go well this season so that the Rockets, you know, we have a lot of positivity to talk about, some some good basketball, all that. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of one of the significant storylines of this year is this could be kind of the make it or break it year for Rafael's tenure as the Rockets' GM.
1: And I think that leads us to the most important question that can be at, uh, asked to actually three people um, uh, during media day. Uh, one is Rafael himself, as well as Ma Yudoka, and hopefully if Tillman is available, I'm not sure, He typically he's not. He's but typically it, it, not, unfortunately. Yeah, he's typically so. not, but I mean, you can't count him out as media day. But if if any of those three are available, which we know Rafael and uh, Ma will be available, the key question is, what does a successful season look like for the Rockets this year? Um, And that answer has been given in the past two years. Last year was a competitive team. We failed at that. We were not a competitive team. We were not in a lot of games late. We were not, we did not successfully do that. The year before was a fun team. And I, and I think the jury was out between that as well. Um, So I'd like to hear their answer for this year's uh, team, what does success look for, look like? Is it in the form of wins? Is it you know what is it in the form of development? What does success for this team look like? Not only for in the eyes of Rafael Stone, but also M.A. Udoka. I wonder if they come in with a united front in that answer and have a clear vision of what success looks like. And we might understand the writing on the wall, whether uh, uh, Rafael has had a successful year or if it's been too sh- uh, a bit too shaky, depending on what that answer is and how it plays out in this season.
0: Absolutely. And and I think that is going to be one of the biggest questions that we're going to be mm-hmm. hopefully getting an answer from you know at Media Day, which reminds me, if you're listening to our show, if you're watching it on YouTube, if you could ask, Anybody at Houston Rockets Media Day, one question... What would it be? Drop it in the comments, and if I can, I will do my best to uh, pick some of the the solid answers and see what I can do to facilitate some uh, some questions being asked at media day of certain players of either Ime Udoka or Rafael Stone, both of which will be available. And then we don't have an exact list of the players; they don't make every player on the roster available. But we'll get select guys. We'll definitely get you know Jalen, Jabari, Shingun, you know the the, the mainstay characters. Uh, we'll definitely be getting those guys. So. Drop your questions in the YouTube comments. Uh, Coming up, want to get into some of the other storylines, some of the other things that we're going to be paying attention to for Media Day. It's all coming up here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Look, you shouldn't have to worry about how you're going to get your tickets the next time you want to go out to a game or a show or whatever, right? You don't want to have to stress about it. You're trying to go out and have a good time, right? Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events happening near you. They've got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, so you know exactly the type of bang you're getting for the buck that you are spending, and they've got their best price guaranteed. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, so much going on. On game time, they've got their game time guarantee, which means you always get the best price. They've got tickets on deals right up to and including 30 minutes after the event starts. So again, whether it's a last minute thing, whether it's something you're planning in advance, use game time. Take the guesswork out of buying your tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on NBA for $20 off your very first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NBA. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. NBA for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. A bit of a media day, a preview headed into the start of this next campaign for your Houston Rockets. Now, again, the way media day kind of functions, the way it works, um, it'll be from 11 a.m. Central Time to 2 p.m. Central Time. Again, those times are a bit tentative. Uh, sometimes the players get held up a little bit doing some of their media activities because what they wind up doing is Toyota Center, like, and I'll try my best to get some behind-the-scenes pictures and photos if I can. um, But Toyota Center gets, like, transformed into this just, like, station-by-station thing where they are so industrial about the way that they run these players through. So when you see, like, throughout the season, like, all the, like, in-game graphics and the guys were like, get louder, cheer, all that. All the players, they do all this stuff. They knock it all out on media day. So the players aren't just showing up for a quick you know, 5, 10-minute interview at the podium and then going home and calling it a day. They're getting worked and sent from station to station to station. They do their one-on-one interviews with Vanessa Richardson, sideline reporter for mm. uh, formerly AT&T Sportsnet Southwest. Now, um oh, man, what's the new name for it, Madison? I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Is it Space, space City? It- space City Home Network. Yes. Right, there we go. Okay, Space yeah. City Home Network. Um The new... Uh, network owned by the Rockets and Astros covering your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they do their interviews with Vanessa. They do their radio interviews with uh, Matt Thomas and Ross Villarreal from Sports Talk 790. Uh, they do all their, you know, all their digital and social media hits. They do fun little interviews for like TikTok and all that. So this is what, you know, that's kind of what media day ultimately entails. And there are some really fun moments like, uh, Last year, when we were walking down the hallway at one point, I was following Jabari and Tari, and uh, I I was trying to ask Jabari how he felt about the locksmith nickname and before he could even reply Tari jumped in and he goes Jabari Safari like he was <laughs> clearly making fun of the fact that like you know people he got the the Tari Ferrari nickname so just the the rhyming the alliteration all that so it's just fun to watch these guys have that camaraderie and have a day where they're just kind of goofing off having some fun uh we kind of tackled some of the bigger, more hard-hitting storylines there in segment one. I do think there's still one more that is really important here, and that's actually Eme Udoka, Madison, because mm-hmm. we know that there's a lot, like, first off, I think there's a lot of, of pressure being put on Eme's shoulders. First off, Eme's massive. He's got huge shoulders. I think he can deal with the pressure. <laughs> but we've only ever seen him be a head coach one time, right? It was a one-off with a very good Boston Celtics team. Now, granted, they started off that year... Pretty, they struggled a lot that year, and they didn't turn things around until about January of that season, and then they made a finals run, and it was very impressive. I'm not trying to shortchange him at all, but we don't have a large sample size from Ime Odoka as a head coach. He's got a very strong history as an assistant, but this is going to be kind of right his redemption tour season. And I think that's a really important kind of storyline narrative to follow where... If the Rockets have kind of like a Cinderella-esque season, kind of similar to the Sacramento Kings last year, I'm not saying they're going to go for like the number three seed or anything, but if they push for a legitimate, you know, a top-end play-in spot or maybe even flirting with like the six, seven-seed territory, I think there's absolutely a world where Ime Doak is in the discussion for coach of the year this season.
1: Oh, of course. If the Rockets outperform, uh, you know, they're if they're in playoff contention, I definitely think he'll be uh, up there because we know one of the primary changes has been the coach himself. And I think what you're what you're talking about, this is a big year for M. A. Udoka. And we only really have one year of sample size to see, you know, how he coaches. What is his coaching style? And I think that's one of the biggest questions I want to see asked in media day. One of the things that we've actually been chasing since he's been hired, but and that is what is MAU Dukas offensive and defensive philosophy what are the principles that he is he is going to put in place for this team in training camp and he couldn't really he he really only could talk about concepts um uh, in primarily defensively early on because he hadn't really built that for for this particular team this team has a lot of different skill sets he didn't know who he was going to get in free agency you you don't know what what the strengths of your team is but now we're entering training camp i know there's a clear philosophy that that this Rockets team wants to implement and i want to hear emma udoka speak about it i want to uh in in boston we can look at boston they ran a lot of spread offense uh sometimes uh, as well as uh, a lot of driving kick there and really Built on the greatness of their two wings, especially Jason Tatum. Well, this team has also a great center in Alper and Shingoon with a lot of tools that Emma Doka has talked about. And so, I li- I like to hear him talk about. Well, are, is this going to be a pick and roll heavy offense because of the strengths of Fred VanVleet, Jalen Green, and Alperin Sengun? Is this will be this? Uh, will this offense? Um, have a lot of high post actions. What type of offense, what does he envision for this? And Or will it be an amalgamation or a mix of a, a lot of these different principles in which the Rockets would just have to seamlessly run, run through? Um, I really want to hear him talk talk about that and see if we can get some semblance of what his mindset is going into this, uh, into this offense. I mean, into this season, as well as the defense, which I think he's talked about uh, competing, getting up under guys and, and really just taking it personal. I think we, you, regardless, I think we have a better idea of, his defensive principles, but they're always excellent answers to hear your coach talk about those types of things.
0: Absolutely. And and I'm really excited to kind of hear, you know, we've only briefly spoken to Dylan Brooks and Fred VanVleet. We got them for you know, five ish minutes at summer league. And that was their, their only so far introductions, uh, as Houston Rockets, Mm -hmm. they didn't do a formal press conference to announce the signings of those guys. Um, they just opted not to do it this time around. Uh, so that's unfortunate that we didn't get like a formal full blown press conference to ask them questions. Why'd you choose Houston? Mm -hmm. What about this team is special all All that. So it'll really be our first opportunity for an in-depth set of questions for those two guys get a feel for their kind of the, the kind of veteran leadership that each of them brings to the table. And one other thing that I'm really excited to see Madison is I think that Jalen, you know, it, Jalen sometimes seems like a really introverted, kind of soft-spoken guy. We know that he's not. We've seen him be incredibly fiery on the sidelines and, and getting after it with his teammates and everything. Um, but I think that he, the growth that he took from like his rookie year to then like how he kind of crushed Media Day last year, right? He talked about, this is my team and I want to carry us to some wins and all that. I'm curious to see how much more his personality has grown and how much more ownership he continues to take over this team, right? Because... Last year, there was still the whole, you know, big brother, little brother dynamic between him and Kevin Porter Jr. That's now long gone. This is really, you know, they brought in the veterans to stabilize the young guys, but this is very clearly now Jalen's team. Like, there's no question about it. It's Jalen's team. It's his for the taking. How does he respond to that, right? What does he sound like? How confident is he at media day? You know, what, how does he kind of decide to steer some of the answers with the questions? What are his expectations for himself, for this season, for what the team is going to look like? And I do think that's going to be so interesting to kind of gauge. I know you brought up, right? What are the expectations between Rafael Stone and Emeo Doka? What does success look like for this season? But it's also going to be interesting to kind of gauge how the players define their own individual success right. as well as the team success this season as well.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I think that's the number one question for every player that comes to the podium, what does a success look like for you this season? What do you expect out of yourself? What is your personal goals and what are your team goals uh coming into this season? And I also think it'll be just great to talk to them and pick their brains on how the offseason's been going. We've got a lot of snippets of working workouts with Jalen, um his him getting bigger. I mean, we can nail down his weight, his size, right? How how much how much uh, weight did you put on this uh season, Jalen? How tall are you at? and goon you know th- a lot of those little things and also kelly did a, a, a excellent piece about uh Amin thompson where he talked about some of the scrimmages and the chemistry he has going with fred van vliet and and goon we'll have the opportunity to talk about those scrimmages or or the media will have the opportunity to ask about those scrimmages um to the other players um who, who do you have chemistry with how who's impressed Who's impressed you outside of, you know, on your teams th- during these scrimmages? What does Fred how how has Fred Van Vleet and Dylan Brooks, what have they brought to the team so far to you young guys that you guys haven't thought about, that you haven't, you know what I mean? And so those type of things to, to be able to pick their brain all in one place, I think will just be really fun and really interesting things for things for the fans to hear.
0: Who do you think Madison has the best money quote from Media Day of all the players? Car so Easy. Tari You think Tari's Tari. gonna have the best money quote? Well,
1: money quote, money tarry, quote m- money quote is gonna be Tari. But if it's like uh it, the most impactful quote might be Fred Van Vliet. I feel like I've heard we've heard so much about how Fred Van Vliet is an excellent interviewer. He's very upfront and sh- and straight up. And I think he gives really good answers. So I think if you ask Fred Van Vliet to go in deep and detail about a particular thing, um, you might get, you know. A friendly surprise at how detailed he is about his answer. So okay. I think I'll go that way. I maybe you know took the okay. You way you you're hedging a bad. little bit. It's okay. Yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll give
0: I'll give it to you though. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Dylan Brooks. I think Dylan Brooks is gonna walk away with like know. the quote of the day. And Rockets fans are gonna be running laps with it, just going, "Oh, Dylan Brooks! Like we're so <laughs> glad we got Dylan the villain." Let us know in the YouTube comments who do you think this is your bonus question of the day? Who do you think has the best quote from Rockets media day? Let us know in the YouTube comments. Coming up. We're going to tackle the idea. Should the Rockets pursue Malcolm Brogdon now that he is uh, on the island known as the Portland Trailblazers? We're going to get to that in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Be on the lookout for our immediate recap of Houston Rockets media day. Uh, Hardware permitting, uh, your, one of your other weekly co-hosts and I, Ben DuBose, will be recording live at Toyota Center. Not streaming live, but like recording at Toyota Center uh, with my travel podcast equipment set up. Uh, so we're going to probably hunker down and try and get some recording done right after media day concludes sometime tomorrow afternoon. So be on the lookout for our media day reaction episode sometime Monday afternoon evening. That should be out. Uh, Madison. So we had the musical chairs happen with Dame get sent to... Milwaukee, then Drew Holiday gets sent to the Blazers, and then Boston Celtics come knocking because they lose out on the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. So then they pick up Drew Holiday, which, like, what a turn of events to, like, you miss out on the guy, so then you go get the guy that just got replaced. Like, it's (laughs) kind of a funny series of events. Before, actually, really quick, before we get into the Malcolm Brogdon stuff, how do you feel about Dame in Milwaukee?
1: Oh, a match made in heaven. I think that offense is now supercharged. Best duo I mean, in the he, NBA immediately or yes. I mean, their their fit is so seamless yeah. together. I mean, he's a force of nature off the like their pick and role play will oh. be just automatically it's the gonna most be dangerous. Yes, because it because Giannis is such a force of nature coming downhill on those pick and rolls. Teams have just elected to say, Hey, we have to just pack the paint on Giannis. Whoever's taking that three point, whether it's Drew, Chris Middleton, we'll, we'll just let them have it. And if you let Dane take those shots, he's gonna drop fifty on your head, yeah. just point blank. Yeah. And, and it's just it's the worst pick your poison a team could ever. And I thought they instantly became the favorites until the Boston Celtics trade, which I think uh, votes them back into uh to contention of probably being the favorite, just depth and injury. Per meeting,
0: yeah, it's it's a it's an arms race out east for mm-hmm. sure, and and the Celtics look very different now with Kristaps Porzingis and Drew Holiday over there in mm-hmm. place of Marcus Smart and Rob Williams. The Celtics have a really strong top six, and then it gets real murky after that top six, though. So if they have any kind of injuries, or if Drew misses time, or KP misses time, you know it, it could be really tough for them. But those are going to be the two teams to watch out east. Yeah. But that leaves us with the Portland Trailblazers, who are still holding on to Malcolm Brogdon after this set of musical chairs and trades and whatnot. And there are going to be a lot of teams, contenders included, that come knocking, uh, trying to see about acquiring Malcolm Brogdon's services. And the Rockets may not be in the contender group, but they're a team that, as we alluded to earlier, right, still don't have an answer on the Kevin Porter Jr. front. And we've speculated a little bit here on LOR about some possible trades, some ways to utilize just the contract component of, of KPJ's deal. To acquire another player. And Brogdon would kind of fit the bill there. Uh, He's got two years left on his current deal. So this season and next season, he's making $22.5 million both years. So possibly a little bit out of reach of Kevin Porter Jr.'s just under $16 million salary. I don't know if the Rockets would have to include another salary to kind of aggregate the two to be able to make a trade happen. I don't know if they can make it one for one off the top of my head. But conceptually I don't hate the idea of Malcolm Brogdon in Houston. I think to me it just kind of comes down to what would it cost, right? If the Blazers have another contender that's, you know, asking about Brogdon and willing to offer a first, you know, how much is too, basically how much is too much to pay for Malcolm Brogdon? Madison, what's the furthest you would go? If it's just Kevin Porter Jr.'s contract and no other players, whatever, and it's just draft capital on top of it, what's the most you would pay for Malcolm Brogdon?
1: Uh... Two seconds. That's Two the seconds. Most yeah, and I think that's I think that's honestly what he's worth, and that's why I think we're not going to get him because I think a team is going to want a premium on that to take on Kevin uh, Portageño's contract and the controversy that comes with it, as well as the uh, NBA hasn't made a decision on it on his contract. They haven't made, and it's kind of been a while now to me, and which may scare teams off off as well. Because what if that contract is not voided? or the fee is just given a suspension, right? And where a team is stuck with that salary, uh, then, then you're working with, you know, paying to get KPJ off, which is, can be a dangerous situation for a team that, you know, Portland may Portland doesn't have to do, you know what I mean? They, there will be suitors out there who, need a backup point guard that need depth that Michael Brogdon can play the one and the two and can actually fill in as a starter. If there's an injury down the road, they don't have to make this trade today. They can rehab some of his value. Um, Cause I know he's been injured. Um, and I honestly don't think it's something the Rockets probably would be able to pull uh, pull off without significantly paying for.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm torn on it because I've talked myself into the idea that, you know, it, let's face it. teams, understand there's there's going to be kind of a PR there's an optics look to any if, if a KP Day trade does materialize but I'll be completely honest I don't think front offices care about that they're going to do what they think is best for their team which is why the Rockets are in fact exploring Kevin Porter junior trades right they didn't just immediately out we're going to cut him we're getting rid of him we don't want to be associated with him anymore they're doing their due basketball diligence by trying to figure out how they can make the most of a bad situation and other teams out there might, you might have a team that again for the Blazers, right? Kevin Porter Jr. is an expiring contract. So Malcolm Brogdon isn't. And if the Blazers don't want to have to be saddled, you know, saddled with that Malcolm Brogdon salary, then they could get off of it a year earlier. And if the if the draft capital is equivalent, right? If the best that they're getting, if the best offer from another team is say a first round pick from like a team that's going to be in the, you know, back into the first round, we're talking like 25 to 30 range in like this upcoming year's draft. Maybe they would value two or even three second round picks more than just one late first. In addition Mm -hmm. to the salary relief from Kevin Porter Jr. being an expiring contract and not being saddled with Malcolm Brogdon. Cause as you pointed out, right, he's a guy who has had some injury history, injury issues in the past. He might need to rehab his value a little bit, but, at least as per what Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting, the Blazers fully intend to give the brunt of their guard minutes to their young trio of guards, Mm -hmm. right? Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, and Fernie Simons. There's not exactly a ton of minutes in there for a Malcolm Brogdon to really even rehabilitate his value. Even if he's just getting 10 to 15 minutes a night as like the spot backup after those three guys, how much more value can you really extract from that? I think at this point... Contenders, teams like the Rockets, whatever. We kind of know what Malcolm Brogdon is, what he can bring to the table, what he could provide to a team. So mm-hmm. for me, I think the furthest I would go is the three seconds. And I think second round picks are kind of that really fluid currency where it's like at the time you're kind of yeah. like, who cares about who cares about seconds? Mm-hmm. Like last year we saw five second round picks traded like three different times at the trade deadline. Right. In fact, it was mm-hmm. the it was the same set of five second round picks got traded twice between two separate teams. I think. Um, I'm trying to. It was like. Atlanta right did it I think it was Atlanta and somebody else did like the same five picks for like Sadiq Bay or
1: something it was a lot of second round picks being moved but that's why I think that the Rockets should not be so eager to move off multiple seconds because Mm. they are netting you value in this NBA I mean we learned we just you just talked about how we've learned that and I you know as liquid as they we may think they they are they are they have uh an end, a ending. They're not, they're not infinite. You yep. know what I mean. And so, and for me, I think that seconds, the value of first, have kind of just overinflated, and now seconds is the new uh catchy thing to do. And I don't think we should just be spending not just seconds,
0: seconds, five seconds. That's the new or fancy five, thing to do. Set five, two, three. Yeah, you know lo-
1: I mean? load them up. Just, just yeah, push right. all your chips into you the middle of the table. Of <laughs> you know what I mean. You need a lot of them to get these deals done, and that's why. And that's what I say. And and honestly you would only be trading for brogdon's salary not because you really want him to make an impact on this team right now but because you want to aggregate him later in a trade to add another impact player you know what i mean and so i'm like is is it really that is it worth it right now do you have a guy in mind that you think you'd be ready to add at the deadline at that salary you know at that high of a salary because that is a pretty significant player if it's going to be you know what i mean uh, uh, a malcolm brogdon and a jay sean tate you know a 30 million dollar A year player those guys you know it's only one or two of those guys coming shaking free at the deadline you know what I mean Uh, I just don't know if it's I don't know if it's worth it or spending your currency of seconds for it but but I I haven't crunched the numbers or thought enough about it to really be sure
0: yeah I, I do think in all of this the biggest takeaway is the Rockets want that flexibility of keeping that salary slot alive from KPJ's contract which being completely honest Madison, the easiest way to do that is to just keep Kevin on the roster. I I just, I don't know. I don't know what their kind of like pain tolerance is from the PR perspective of just of not like, because if the NBA comes out with their, their ruling, oh, we'll suspend him for this many games. We're avoiding this portion of the contract, whatever. That's the other concern is if the NBA outright comes out and they like drop the book on KPJ or throw Mm -hmm. the book at him, If they void his contract, then the Rockets are screwed regardless because then Mm. the contract's gone and they just lose that value right away, which is why I think they've kind of gone into this aggressive pursuit of flipping it for another active deal, even if it's not a super attractive contract, just because if they do void KPJ's contract, you lose that as a bartering chip in potential trades, right? That's $16 million that you can no longer aggregate for the next disgruntled star who becomes available. And we know there's been reporting from Adrian Wojnarowski that this could be the year where we see a lot of movement where star players are getting, you know, unhappy in their certain environments, whatever. We could see a lot of stars kind of shaking loose around the trade deadline or, as, or, or you know, potentially next offseason. And if the Rockets don't have the right salaries to piece together, then they might be screwed when it comes to trying to get that next big name. Again, you know, that next Damian Lillard who becomes free or that next, you know, Mm -hmm. who do I want to say? I was going to say Rudy Gobert, but I was like, I don't want to use that name. Um, But yeah, you get my point, right? Is there's, there's going to be guys out there that the Rockets want to be able to pursue. um, And if I could just have my way that I would just say, just hold on to Kevin Porter jr. Let him sit there. Tell him to sit at home, whatever, deal with whatever repercussions the NBA wants to pass down to you. Keep him, very far away from the organization at this point, uh, but hold on to that contract because then if you can hold on to it to so the trade deadline, then op- the optics become a little bit better too. If you make a trade at the deadline and KPJ's been sitting out for half the season, it's very clear that mm. whatever team is receiving him, hey, we're They're not getting this down. player. Yeah. We're literally just trading for the contract and then we're waiving him immediately. Whereas if you do it in the aftermath of the DV, you know, reports. Then suddenly it's uh oh, like you know this player. You know the Memphis Grizzlies trade for Kevin Porter Jr. Uh oh, like what's what's mm-hmm. going on here? Why are the Grizzlies trading for a domestic violence you know a, alleged guy? Like I don't know,
1: it's a whole mess. Yeah. But
0: anything else you got? You want to chime in before we wrap this one up, Madison?
1: No, I think I think I'm pretty good. I mean, I I I just I have one last question. Sure, it's is this this contract slot and the position that the Rockets are right now, where we're not very competitive we may be competitive but we're not very competitive you you think that's worth the pr hit and the lost assets it would cost to move uh kpj like is is three second rounders worth that contract slot that they're that for a uh, unknown star on a team that like we're not a contending uh uh, you know, James Harden team, you know, for a, a contending James Harden team where we would need the flexibility to make a move, to get a star, a star would have to want to come to this team. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, I, to me, that is the longest long shot. So why am I spending my assets? I mean, that, that, that's how I view it. And that and that's what I'm struggling with.
0: I see and I see your point. I, I think for me, when it was Brogdon specifically, I do think Brog- Brogdon's still a guy who can contribute at, at a decent level right. to a team. Mm-hmm. And I do think the Rockets were gonna rely on some of that bench. You look at their bench, there's no scoring off their bench right now, unfortunately. Right? It's it's a men. It's Jay Sean Tate, it's Tari Eason, and it's Jock Landale. All their scoring, all their firepower is in the starters. So you're going to have to stagger some of those starters with the bench unit to be able to maintain some of the offense, um, (laughs) which is doable, but it becomes a little bit easier if you have a lead guard or a guard Mm -hmm. coming off the bench that has a little bit more oomph to his game, which Kevin was going to be that guy, right? They were going to rely on Kevin's role for that this season. So kind of replacing that to a level with Malcolm Brogdon, I think is where I'm adding maybe that extra second round pick, getting up to three. Um, I, think it's, I think it's worth keeping the salary slot alive if it's just two seconds, which is why like, I pitched like going for Lonzo Ball, right? was one of my other ones, because Lonzo's going to miss the entire season anyways, right. but he's got next season that he's still on the books for, so it gives you a little bit of extra leeway or a little bit of extra runway on how long you have before you decide what you want to do with that contract slot and how, whether you aggregate it, trade for another star or whatever. So I do think that financial flexibility is important, especially when you look at this Rockets team it doesn't look like they're going to have cap space again for a long time, right? They pulled the trigger this past offseason. That was their shot with an immense amount of cap space. Moving forward, they're going to have Ooh. extensions for Jalen Green and Alper and Shingun right. to consider. They're going to likely be operating as an above-the-cap team down the line, so the only way to improve as an above-the-cap team is via the trade market. So how do you do that? You have to have tradable salaries, and the Rockets have a bunch of those with Jay Shante, Jock Landale, Jeff Green, and all those guys are, you know, are going to be able to be moved at the deadline or or even this upcoming summer for uh, all three of them, because Jay Sean Tate has a team option on his final year. Jock Landale is basically a team option every year. Jeff Green, Mm -hmm. team option. So if they have one more salary, again, the KPJ slot, and they can keep that alive, they could be in the market for a big fish at the deadline or next summer, once we have a better idea of what this team is after Eme's first year as the head coach.
1: Yeah. Did I, I, did I, I sell that. you on the idea a yeah, little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I get that. And and I guess at the end of the day, if you bring in Brogdon, you use three seconds for it. I mean, you probably could get two of those seconds back. So what are you really spending? You know, yeah. What I mean? yeah. If, so, if yeah. If, you, if you're, you're flipping Brogdon to another team, yeah, yeah. If you needed to flip Brogdon by himself and, 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 Yes, I do think there'll there's a lack of offensive punch off the bench and I just figured we'd stagger but you know one injury, you know to one of the the primary offensive guys, even if they're missing like just 10 games, it could probably really hurt the flow of a team if the, if we were having a promising season.
0: Yeah, so again, it'll be it's it's look We're right here. The season is right around the corner. We got less than 10 days before we got Rockets basketball back. The very first uh, preseason game on the road against the Indiana Pacers. is going to be a ton of fun. Madison, you know the drill. Everybody know where to track you down at, man.
1: Yeah, man. Come talk to me uh, on Twitter at at MadmanLeaks. That is uh, at X, my bad. But, yeah, just come over there. uh, Talk to me. I love to interact and talk Rockets.
0: That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.